I'm Roberto. And I'm Brendan. And together, we're ranking the Russian rulers from Rurik to Putin. This week, Yaropolk the first. And before we jump into today's episode, we have a few mm-hmm. announcements. For their services to the Kievan realm, we want to recognize our newest Patreon subscriber and the first one for Czar Power, Andrew. Woo! Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. And from now on, you will be known as Prince Andrei Vokalistov, the Song of the South, the Rhymer of the East, the Composer of the North, the Symphonist of the West, and the Voice of All the Russias, and Lead Canonist for Czar Power. Let's hope you get to have a job this episode. Hopefully. Hopefully. All hail. All hail. All hail, Prince Andrei. And I also want to let you guys know about our sister Rexypod, Noblesse Oblige. Yeah, they did a promo for us already, right? I think so. Right, so we're maybe we're obliged to do the same for them. Oh, (laughs) this is a podcast that ranks all the Nobel laureate winners from well, I think Alfred Nobel being the guy who's named after until they were out of people. I guess I thought I thought Nobel no Nobel was the guy who started the thing. Yeah, but they, they 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 start with Alfred Nobel. Ah, okay. Yeah. So they have the work cut out for them because that's like over like 300 people. Yeah, I can't imagine what that's like. Wait a second. We only have like what? Two, like less than 100, don't we? No, it's for like five different categories. And it's since like 1900s, like the early 1900s. Hmm. So it's a lot of people. Yeah, it is. Well, I'll be listening to the Albert Camus episode for sure. I know that at least. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Albert Camus. I thought it was Albert Camus. No, no, it's French. Albert, you don't pronounce the T. Ah, well, they're going to have the work cut out for them because that's a lot of people with a lot of information on them. If the Polish writer Henryk Sienkiewicz doesn't get the top spot, I'm sending the friendly guy from the KGB after you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, a very friendly, a trusted, a confidant. Yeah, and they're going to cover good old Gorby Gorbachev. Wait, he won a Nobel Prize? He did! Why? uh, Ruining the economy? Spoilers. (laughs) <laughs> well, listen to them to find out. Um, and then he, I think this is the time where we play their advertisement starting now. Have you ever wondered, what's the deal with the Nobel Prizes? Who are all these people? And why should I care? I'm Maggie. And I'm Quinn. And this is Nobelis Oblige, the podcast where we rank and review all the Nobel laureates from 1901 until we run out of people. Join us as we make our way through some of the most influential scientists, writers, and leaders of the 20th and 21st centuries. In the process, we'll explore their work, their impact on society, their personal lives, and more. And, most importantly, we'll see if they have that erudite mystique, that academic rigor, that sense of Nobelis Oblige. Well, wasn't that fun? It was a lot of fun. I kind of like it. I like their music and everything, so it's, it's pretty chill. It's appropriate. Last time I heard that piece was uh, at my graduation, so it's, <laughs> it's nostalgic for me. <laughs> right? We listened to some sort of country. I can't remember. It was back in high school, at least. But I enjoyed listening to their podcast, and they know what they're talking about. We actually know one of the people they're going to rank, or at least I do. 
like in person. Wait, what? Well, yeah, our, the college we graduated from has a Nobel Peace Prize winner, and he's an alumni who comes here pretty often. What? I didn't know Juniata had. Uh, wait, can I say the name? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I didn't know Juniata had any Peace Prize. Um, we have a physics winners. prize winner. We have a physics prize winner. Oh, for physics. That's right. Okay, I forgot Nobel Prizes are for more than just peace. Yep. <laughs> Which is dumb of me because I know of two writers that were nominated for the Nobel Prize in literature. Albert Camus, for one? Yeah, Albert Camus. The other one is Jean-Paul Saltz, but he tr- turned it down. Uh, okay. Well, don't hesitate to check them out, and their link is in the episode description. In your little mobile box thing, your phone, that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Yes. You forgot the word for phone, you called it a mobile box? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Technically, anything, any box that moves is a mobile box. <laughs> yes, but I've also been playing D&D for like the last four hours before this, so I'm switching over from DM to podcaster. But I think it's time we do a recap for our last ruler. So can you... Uh... Yeah, it was Sviatoslav, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, so Sviatoslav had the misfortune of having to follow up from his mother, Anne of Kiev. Um, sorry, not Anne of Kiev, Olga of Kiev. Anne's later. <laughs> yeah, Anne's later. So he had this most fortune of trying to follow up um, on his mother, Olga of Kiev. Um, he was raised as a warrior and he lived as a warrior. Um, did a lot of warrioring. That's about all I remember. Oh, well, how, how well did he do it? Um, as far as far as aware, we agreed that he did fairly well. Yeah, he was pretty, he was pretty, uh, he, he had a few special operations throughout Bulgaria and everything. And just to kind of continue, like, uh, he basically got embroiled in a war between the Bulgarians and the Byzantines, which was got turned over on its head because the emperor changed, and then the Byzantines were like, we don't want to work with the Rus anymore, let's work with the Bulgarians again, and then they started fighting each other, and basically things led to another thing, and they, the Byzantines destroyed the Rus army, basically, and they got ambushed, and Sviatoslav was killed by getting his head cut off and turned into a goblet. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. I think I took points off of them for the humiliation of that defeat. As metal as it is. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. But he did expand the Rus lands a lot. He just lost Crimea and he, like, the Bulgarian stuff he took over. Mm. Oh, that's why Putin has such a stick up his about Crimea. It goes way back. It goes way back. So, yeah, so I think it's time we go into the etymology of what Yaropolk means, because it's the first time we hear the name Yaropolk. Indeed. Yaropolk comes from two Russian words. The first one being Yari, which means ardent or violent, and Polk, which means regiment. Sorry, did you say violet or violent? Violent. Right. So his name is Violent Regiment. Yep, that's exactly the joke I was going to make. So let's see how much that applies to how he is as a person. Okay, there's a little, I'm confused now. So he's one guy. But you called him uh, a regiment. Yes. So, there's multiple people. Yeah. He's a violent regiment. Mm-hmm. Aha! I just, I'm just thinking of, what's that Bible passage? My name is Legion, for we are many. Something like that. I think so, maybe. I, that's in a lot of stuff, so I can't even tell anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, moving on from uh, talking about biblical episodes of demonic possession. Let's hear about what his early life was like. Okay. How much do you think we have? Mm, we had a lot about... Oh, wait, I don't think we had a whole lot about Olga of Kiev. We had a fair amount about Sviatoslav. So I'm going to say we have more than Sviatoslav. We have less than Sviatoslav, but more than Olga. Oh, no. Oh, Dang no. It. I know. Yaropok was born to Sviatoslav's wife, Predslava, 
probably around the year 952. We're not too sure about that. People need to get more creative with their names. Like Sviatoslav, Slava. Just come up with something else. My God. I know, right? Oleg, Olga. Well, they made up up Yaropolk. That's that's new. Exercise a little creativity. Not the kind of creativity where you like take take like Maglin or not Maglin that's from Lord of the Rings take not the kind of creativity where you like spell Ashlyn A-S-H-Y-Y-L-Y-N-N not that kind of name creativity just something else well as a child he was taken care of by his mother Predslava and his grandmother Olga of Kiev and we know he was part of the siege of Kiev by the Pechenegs while Sviatoslav was off attempting to conquer Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. After Sviatoslav returned and drove off the Peshnegs, he came back with a Greek nun whom he had captured and found exceedingly beautiful and married off this Greek nun to Yaropolk. God. I, I, this is already Kompromat already. That's messed up. Yeah, but that's, that's Kompromat for Sviatoslav. Yeah. Really. I don't, I don't think Yaropolk had like a big thing about it. Plus, we're going to give Sviatoslav sure, a lot of points I don't, for that. I doubt he had a choice. He did not. So, after Olga's death, Sviatoslav decided to make Periaslavitz his capital, the one in Bulgaria, and he placed Yaropok in charge of Kiev and his brothers, Alyeg and Vladimir, in Dereva and Novgorod, respectively. And his cousin, Slav Slavovich Slavonov. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. <laughs> well, a few years pass, and Sorrow arrives to Kiev. Because Sveinold, Sviatoslav's Varangian advisor, arrives back with the remnants of the Kievan Rus after they had been ambushed by the Pechenegg prince, Kuria, and Sviatoslav lost his head there. Mm-hmm. And his life, too, I guess. I mean, he, he kind of loses his, both. This was his cool tutor, right? Um, The Varangian advisor? Yeah, Sveinold. Yeah. yeah, that's his cool tutor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like this character. He's cool. So this is when Yaropok finds out that Sviatoslav was dead. And that he was now the official Grand Prince of Kiev because Periaslavitz is gone and the Bulgarians are not giving it back to the Rus. So Kiev is now the new capital once again. And you'd think things would go well, right? Like new ruler, the brothers are off running their own territories and things are fine. Sorry, um, this is a Russian history podcast. Good things don't happen. Yeah, true. Let's um, go back in time a bit. So over the last few years... Going as far back as Igor's reign, we see Svenod consistently asking the Grand Prince of Kiev for the land of Dereva's revenue, and possibly even the land. Mm -hmm. And he took advantage of Yaropok's lack of confidence while taking on the role of his chief advisor, or maybe even becoming more of a co-ruler alongside Yaropok, because he was in charge of the army. Sorry, back up a bit. I think you meant to say revenue of his land as well as the land in itself. You said land of revenue. The, the land of Dereva's revenue. The okay. the place that the place that Olga burned down a few times. Ah, okay. Dereva, yeah. I okay. if you guys can't tell, I'm a bit sick, so like my words may not yeah. be coming in clearly. Yeah. I stayed up late last night, so I have a headache. Uh this is when Svenold puts his official plan into action. Svenold sent his son, Lute, to go out hunting. Lute proceeded to hunt in the land surrounding Kiev as was his right, but then decided to venture into Dereva, which is Alieg's lands. Liut mm-hmm. killed a few of the animals in Dereva, but was caught by Prince Alieg, who was also out hunting at the same time. 
Alia quickly identified Liut and executed him for poaching by running up on horseback and stabbing him through with his spear. Sheesh, man. Not even a warning shot? Well, you're dead because you're, like, messing around in my land. What happened to presumed innocent until proven guilty, man? We don't shoot... Well, ideally, we, we don't shoot people on the spot over here. Well, he was caught, Nowadays. like, literally killing the the game around the forest, so... Okay, and? Caught. <laughs> Red-handed. <laughs> literally. Yeah, I'm sure. But, you know, it's just, like, in that situation, you're... Uh, oh, well, never mind. Well, when Svenald found out about his son's death, he flew into an absolute rage. He proceeded to yell at young Yarapok, asking for him to summon his warriors to go fight Alieg and restore his chief advisor's honor. Yarapok didn't want to, but because of Svenald, a rift opened up between the brothers, and it didn't help that, as I mentioned earlier, Svenald had the loyalty of the armies, so Yarapok was forced to march to Dereba. You know what makes me really upset is that the Derevlians don't get out of the warfare ever. And this is like the third ruler in a row that they have to deal with that wants to screw them over. So it's the third ruler we hear about because Sviatoslav didn't really care about them. Bad luck for them. Sucks to suck. I know. <laughs> so Yaropok's army entered the lands of Dereva and met with Alieg's army in battle. The fight was long and arduous and Yaropok's army proved victorious in the end, causing Alieg to retreat to the town of Vruchi. As they made their way to Ruchi, chaos ensued when they tried going over the drawbridge because the town was surrounded by a moat. Sensing that a siege was incoming, the soldiers rushed to get into the town to not get killed by the invading army. Alieg was on the edge of the drawbridge and was pushed down into the moat and was crushed by all the soldiers at Valen and horses. So to recap, Alieg is, um, what's, is, uh... He's Yaropok's younger brother. Okay, okay, right. Yeah. Yaropok then swept in with his forces and took the city of Ruchi and captured it for himself. He sent soldiers to look for his brother to take him hostage, but Alieg was unable to be found. Annoyed, he started questioning the locals, who then told them that Alieg had been seen falling off the bridge and into the moat. Yaropok ordered his men to search for his brother in the moat, and they put out a few dozen bodies and found the prince's body in the mass of corpses so they placed him onto a rug and took him to the great hall where Yarapok was waiting the rug was unfurled and they showcased Alieg's stamped on body Yarapok walked slowly to Alieg got on his knees and wept intensely over his brother's corpse well this this is increasing my sympathy levels for Yarapok so far I know, right? <laughs> Svenald then approached Yarapok to give some comforting words, but the Grand Prince silenced him with anger filling his voice as tears streamed down his face, saying, See the fulfillment of your wish! Yarapok then buried Alieg with, within Vruchi with full princely honors, and Yarapok took Dereva for himself. Back in Novgorod, a messenger arrived at Vladimir's court and told him that Alieg had been killed fighting Yarapok, and that his brother was coming after him for his inherited land. Vladimir fled the country, leaving Novgorod behind. With his youngest brother's flight from Rus, Yaropok now held sole control of the Grand Princedom his father had once controlled. So Yaropok now owns everything. Hmm. Yeah, it's not a bad thing, you know? He yeah. lost, so lost a brother, one ran away, he, got, he has everything now. So he got, what, did he get anything that Sviatoslav lost? Nope, not yet. Okay. Meanwhile, Svenald's actions caused him to lose favor within Kiev, and the chroniclers never mention him again. 
You can assume the chroniclers didn't like him, or just wasn't wasn't relevant anymore. Well, he may have passed away not too long after Alieg did, or they he just lost favor within the court. Yarapok then appoints a man named Blood as his new chief advisor. I like that name. I like that name. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. He shows up a lot. <laughs> so the years pass quietly until the news of Vladimir's return with a massive army echoed throughout the land. He had attacked Prince Rogvolod of Polotsk, killed him and his two sons, and forcibly married the prince's daughter. Hmm. Yarapok secluded himself within his city and prepared for a long siege of Kiev. A lot of forced marriage in this episode. I don't know if I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neither am I. We don't condone this. I mean, yeah. This is a re- If anyone, like, I don't know. I don't feel Monarchy! Need I don't feel <laughs> any need to clarify that. I know. Yarapok then appoints Blue to be in charge of the messengers. And while they were locked in key for the next few months, Vladimir slowly reconquered Rus for himself. Yarapok then asked Blue for advice. Blute took some time to reflect upon what was going on and told him that he needed to get the best information possible and unleash a flurry of messengers from the city. Mm-hmm. Once Blute had his information, he approached the Grand Prince and told him that it would not be useful to meet Vladimir in a pitched battle because their armies were such vastly different in size. And his messengers reported that the citizens of Kiev would rather invite Vladimir into the city and give up Yarapok instead of defending the city from him. So Blood advised that it would be his best course of action to flee from Kiev. Yarapok then listened to Blood and got onto his longboat and sailed down to the city of Rodnia, and he holed himself up inside of it, awaiting for the worst. Vladimir easily took Kiev now that Yarapok was gone and went down to besiege Rodnia. Our Grand Prince Yarapok then looked outside and saw his brother was besieging the city, and this siege led to a great famine where the people had begun to starve. Blood approached Arapok and told him that if he wanted to survive the ordeal, it would be best if he offered to make peace with Vladimir since it was either starved to death or be killed in the inevitable fighting. Yarapok sent a messenger to Vladimir and offered to come to terms with him. Blood advised Yarapok to take any deal that Vladimir offered him, otherwise they would all be killed. He prepared to make his way to his brother's camp and was pulled to the side by his retainer, Varyashko. Varyashko told him that he shouldn't meet his brother and should instead flee and form an army with the Peshneks to the east, and bring the fight back to Vladimir. Yarapok didn't listen to the man, because he knew that what Blood was saying was way more useful. Yarapok then entered Vladimir's camp with a group of his retainers, and went into his brother's quarters. Blood motioned for the retainers to not enter, since it would ruin the negotiations, and he closed the door on him. <laughs> Yarapok, st- <laughs> Yarapok saw his brother Vladimir, who then stood up to greet Yarapok, and as if on cue, two of Vladimir's Varangian bodyguards stabbed Yarapok through the chest and he collapsed yeah. to the floor, dead. <laughs> yeah, I saw where this one was going immediately. <laughs> oh, you did? I was trying to hide it as much as possible. No, no, I, I honestly, like, oh, he's gonna kill him. Like, oh, uh, just leave leave me alone, it'll be okay, we're brothers, nope. When, when, when did you notice that it was going that way? <laughs> well, like, I don't know, when I started, like, laughing, because I was like, oh, I know where this is going. Uh, Basically, when he, when he entered the room, or when he entered the room, did he, I think? I mean, you you just said that they left. Uh, he had his um people leave the room, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, the second you have your bodyguards leave, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. I don't care if it's your blood. Don't care if it's. Yeah, I don't care if it's your blood, so to speak. <laughs> oh, I see what you hey, did there. Hey, blood. blood. Yeah. 
Well, I think it's time we rank him because he's dead. He's really dead. Jesus. Really oh, <laughs> this is fast, wasn't it? Yeah. Spezzale Operatia. Special Operations. How well do they do in battle, lead in battle, or have others lead in battle for them? So, Roberto, would you do me a favor of quickly recapping his military successes and failures? Because I, I, I don't recall right now. Um, he fought his brother, Alieg. Mm-hmm. He won the battle, took Vruchny, and uh, then he fled from his other brother, Vladimir. Then he died. Yeah, I think he also lost his younger brother in one battle in a very just stupid way. Let's well, his well, his young he was fighting against his younger brother. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I don't know. I won't call that as a win because that's just incredibly stupid. Way to go. So, um, what do you want to give him? Uh, I don't know. Nothing really remarkable, like um, a one. That's what I was thinking. Just like. Actually, I want to give him a zero because it was like he fought his brother at the because well he won at least one time right he won but like I don't want to give him more than like one point because it's like you don't have he didn't do I don't have to I'm giving him a zero giving him one yeah so yeah he he has one in Spensalne Operatia okay cool Uspiech success how successful were they in running their nation. What cultural significance did they leave behind? Well, in terms nope. of cultural significance, I enjoyed the story about losing his brother. It's very, it makes me sympathetic to him. So culturally, like, you got that story in the Russian um, chronicles. But maybe I should save that. Maybe I should save that those points to the ruler under which the Russian chronicles were actually written. A success. Yeah, I'm going to go give him a zero this time. Zero. Same. So that's a zero for success. <laughs> okay. All right. Compromat. Blackmail. What things did they do behind closed doors or outwardly do that made others dislike them? I'm actually going to give him, I think, I'm going to give him some points for this. One for Kinslaying because he's constantly at war with his family, specifically his brothers. Um, the other thing is... He's only at war with his brothers. <laughs> yeah, he's only at war with his brothers. Nobody who seems to deserve it. Well, I don't know. Deserve is not a word that crops up in war, in my opinion. So we'll leave that aside. You know, how many of his brothers did he like fight? Uh, both, both his brothers. Okay, so he ended up killing one of them. So I'll give him one for one kinsling, and I'll give him. Oh, I don't know. Um, I'll give him another point for going to war with his other brother, um, and then I'll give him a third point for um forced marriage which i don't know if he really had a choice but also he could have just like you know let her go not had sex with her because i consider that um, i don't know like what the nature of their relationship but if it's a forced marriage that also implies that all of sexual contact thereafter while legal is rape to me yeah i'm giving him a one okay so um, just be, for just basically for all of that but i also don't want to have like more than four points more than five points, so one for me. Okay, so four points for for blackmail. This guy's doing great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, Maybe right, he can well, redeem himself with his uh, bojemoy. I doubt it. His his father wasn't all that handsome, but let's yeah. go. Bojemoy. Oh my god! Basically, how good looking were they? This is the, one of the few pictures I can scrounge up. Okay. 
All right. Well, uh, I actually dig his outfit more than others this time. So he has sort of like um, his helm has sort of a spike on top, sort of like an Imperial German helm. It's it's kind of neat that that pops up um, in history, although it's not a spike like a German helm. It's like with a German Imperial German helm, there's like a hooked barb sticking out here. It's just like a dull point. Actually, it kind of looks like a nipple. So he's got a nipple hat. <laughs> Very pointed nipple hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a mustache. Um, I like his bear shirt. This it looks like to me like a a bear where he had bear skin where he has uh like a bear skin cape or something like that, where the paws of the bear are uh coming over the side and that's where the clasp is. I do like the look of that bear that bear skin cape. That's pretty cool. Can you say he ha- can you say he has the right to bear arms? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean he was the king. He or, was the uh, prince. The prince of yeah, Prince of Kiev. Uh and he's got a dumb mustache, but uh, this is like an extraordinarily average looking man. So if like five is average looking, then I'm gonna go with five. Maybe I'll I'm I'll attack like... on a point for the bear cloak for a little bit of drip, so six. Six for Bojamoy. I'm giving him a three just for, just because of the drip. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, he's average looking. He's not ugly. I would call Sviatoslav ugly, so he gets less than a five. Sviatoslav is great. What are you talking about? Look, I'm si- okay. So Sviatoslav's mustache, cool. I'll give him that. His hairstyle, cool. I'll give him that. But overall, it doesn't work for me. Alrighty, alrighty. Last one. Vladichestva. Longevity. How long did they last on the throne? And this one we don't rank. It's just a number based on uh, how many years. Out of the longest reigning um, ruler, which was Ivan the Terrible. Yep. So, how long do you think he ruled for? Um, well, you did give it away, sort of, that he ruled for a few years peacefully. So, um, I'm going to say uh, 10. You were close. Yaropok was on the throne from March 972 to June 11th, 978, for a total of 6.25 years. Giving him a That's, score of 2.49. I don't call that close to 10, but whatever. <laughs> well, he has a score of 2.49 for Vladichistva. And his total score is now a whopping 16.49. <laughs> we have someone worse than Igor. Somehow <laughs> uh, did, yeah, did worse than Igor. The man who got himself torn in half just by being too greedy. Alrighty. It is now the time... Do we, we? I have to ask the question for the sake of the podcast. Yeah. But I know what the answer is, but does does Yarapok deserve to go party it out in the Kremlin, or should we ship him off to the Gulag? Drum roll, Gulag. Uh, drum Kremlin. What? No, Gulag. <laughs> I know Gulag. It is. I I wrote it. Bef- I wrote it out beforehand too. I was just like, hmm. does he deserve this? It's Gulag. Like, yeah. Bomb. What a disappointment. Oh my god, I what's thought his I, I What's his rank? He is currently number I need to do the He is Well actually I don't even know why I'm thinking he's he's last, he's number six. <laughs> yep, at figures. I was gonna say he's probably dead last. Oh yeah. 
Uh, Igor, you have saved yourself from being in last place because yeah, Yarapok is pat yourself a lot... on the back, Igor. Your 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 great your, yeah. great, your grandson. I saved, have a feeling yeah. saved you from shame. Yeah, I have a feeling that we're going to encounter even greater disappointments to the family in the future. Oh, absolutely. So uh... yeah, we've already established that women are the brains of the family, and I don't. I'm not sure we have any more female rulers until the next dynasty. Uh, no, we still have some in this dynasty. Okay, cool. Well, hopefully they will do better. It'll be a while before we get there, but hopefully. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. So, um, can you guess who is next in our line? How should I know? No, I don't. I can't guess. Okay, so. Is it Olga? It was his... Sorry, Anne of Kiev? No, Anne of Kiev is actually French queen. Okay, well, maybe she was also a Russian queen. If only. No, she's not even born yet. That's in, like, three rulers' time. Um, no, next up we have Vladimir the First. Okay. Who is Yaropok's youngest brother, but he's more generally known as Saint Vladimir the Great. Yeah, C- can you guess um, what happens next time we talk? Um. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wait a second. I thought it was. I thought you said last time that um, Olga of Kiev's grandson um, converted everyone. Oh yeah. Can you guess? Can you guess oh, who right. it is? Oh right, it is his grandson. It is her <laughs> grandson. It is right. her grandson. Of course. Right. I forgot. Vladimir. <laughs> I forgot. Succession doesn't work like son to son in this case. My bad. Well, all right. Yarpok did not have a son. Yeah. Supposedly. Man. Oh, can I take even more points off for that? Honestly. <laughs> under like, what? <laughs> under Under Uspiek. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We're, so whatever actually, I had, you, you whatever can't. I had, unless I had a zero. What? <laughs> you have a zero. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fine. Well, take it, take it off, take it out of something else. Uh, uh this compromise or Bojemoy? Compromise Bojemoy. I mean, uh, you could you could take out a special operations, make it a zero. Yeah, spec ops. Take it, take one out of spec ops for not even producing an error. All right, so that is a zero for spec ops, zero for Uspiak, four for Kompromat, a nine for Bojemoy, two point four nine for Lajishisva. And for a total score of 15.49. So, uh, yeah, he's not doing too hot. We don't... Yarapok, yeah. Yeah. Poor shame. Maybe well, your brother... Anyway, maybe, move on. Let's just move on. Maybe his brother will be more great than he was. <laughs> maybe. Who's maybe. to say? You'll have to tune in next time to find out. Oh, yeah. And um, I think it's time for the closing notes here because we've been rambling on. Oh, of course, of course. Oh, wait, no, we need to do the poem. <laughs> yeah, we have to do the poem. Okay, this is a poem by Alexander Bloch. He's a late imperial and early Soviet poet, um, known for his, like, a few things he wrote. He's from the Silver Age. This is a short one, because this is a short episode. Um, Very well. So, it's an unnamed poem, so it's just the first line is the title. So, here we go. Noch, Ulitsa, Fanar, Aptieka. Besmisni im tuski svet, živi je šo hočet vjet vjeka. Vse bude tak, izhoda nijet, umrioš, našnjoš apjat snačala, i pavtorica vsejo kak vstar. Noč, ledanja hvijab kanala, aptieka, ulica, fanar. A night, a street, a lamp, a drugstore, 
a meaningless and dismal light. A quarter century outpours, it's all the same, no chance of flight. You'd die and rise anew, begotten. All would repeat as ever might. The street, the icy rippled water, the store, the lamp, the lonely night. Translated by Dina Belyayeva. Awesome. Thank you, Brendan. No problem. And uh, to get more direct contact with us, feel free to access our website at czarpowerpod.weebly.com. There you can find the show notes, pictures, and bibliography, and vote on whether you think Yarrowpoke deserves a Kremlin or the Gulag. If I, if anyone of you guys vote for the Kremlin, I'm going to be very upset. Um, it also has links to our social media, which is just at czarpowerpod. Czar is spelled T-S-A-R. If you would like to support the show to help us expand and grow, feel free to subscribe to our Patreon to get access to bonus episodes for both Czar Power and the history of Sacramento, Georgia. This month, we will have a bonus episode on Baba Yaga for Czar Power and a review for the Soviet Georgian film Salt for Svanetia for the history of Sacramento, Georgia. If you'd like to do something that's free, however, leave a review on your favorite podcast host, be it at Apple or on Spotify or anything else that you use. And where can they find you, Brendan? Uh, the best place to find me is just to follow me on Twitter. Um, everything that I'm doing at the current moment, um, I put on there. It's just the easiest way to follow me. Oh, it's at um, Foster, F-O-S-T-E-R, underscore writing. Awesome. And that's a Dostvidanya Tavarishi from me. And from me, don't forget, Vlosprez Diet Parazitov. Q funky 90s punk music. I mean, he asked him who he was, and he was like, yep, I'm Luke. He's like, well, you're dead because you're f- oh. Yeah. Maybe just, I don't know. I, you could do give me the angelic choir or just have the angelic choir sound effect in. <laughs> what is that song called? That, that, that song slaps.